Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Dude, welcome. Is it like great to be together? I don't know about you, but I like this. I assume you wouldn't be here if you didn't like this. Um, It is just great to be among the people of God. So I mentioned in the video that I had had a plan of what I was supposed to preach today, but then everything just started to shake loose in Kenosha this week. I'm sure you've heard about everything that was going on, and I really felt like so we record the message for those who are going to watch online on Wednesday. And I woke up Tuesday morning at, or Wednesday morning at about four o'clock, and I just felt like the Spirit was like, nope, you're going to drop that other message and you're going to preach this instead. And so I think all God's messages are from God, all preaching is, but maybe this is in a unique way from the Lord. You know, it's, it's confusing, it's difficult, it's scary as things began to just go bananas up in Kenosha. For those of you who heard about it, maybe you watched some of it on the news. It's scary when it's so close. Like it's, I, and I feel weird about this. It's a little different when it's far away, but when it's close to you, it just feels a little different like, oh, and, and then maybe it might move into Antioch. You know, that just, it fills you with all kinds of emotions. On one level, there's pieces of this. That you're like, man, I want to be in an America where people can protest. I do. And yet I also want to be in an America where everybody's safe. Amen. And so, it can just leave you with all kinds of emotions. And what do we do when literally the city begins to burn? What is, what is God's plan for that? What was supposed to happen? If you are a Christ follower, how are you supposed to interact with that? Uh, right before the world went away, uh, back in March slash April, I'd had surgery in the hospital. Just had to I'm sure you want to know, so I'll tell you, I had to have a hernia thing. And, you know, the docs had to poke some holes in my belly. Some of you remember me talking about that. And I noticed such a difference between, like, the nurses who were there to, like, kind of get me ready. And, and they were so gentle, and they were so nice, and they were so patient. And they were so, you know, they were, they were like, this is a great thing that's about to happen to me. Like, they're making me feel soothed and encouraged. And, you know, then it all happens, and I'm in a lot of pain and kind of drugged. And the doc comes in, and he's got this sheet. And he was not very warm. I mean, he wasn't mean, but he, his tone was entirely different. He was saying, essentially, Carter, this is what you need to do. Here's all the bullet points on the page. And I don't want you messing around with this thing. Don't go poking at that. Don't rip off the Band-Aids. If you're going to make this not turn into a bad thing, you need to make sure you follow this prescription to the letter. And so today I want to talk to you from God's Word in more of a prescription way than in a nurse way. I think there are definitely moments for nursing, okay? Some of y'all are nurses. You've been around nurses. You know that there's a certain gift that is a part of that, and and I think pastors should have that gift, but today we're not going to go that way because we need to review the prescription. We need to get down to what does the prescription actually say, so I want to talk to you today about the command of prayer, the content of prayer, and the character to pray with. And I want to include this passage from Psalm 107. I want, to, I want to start here. Verse 19 said, Then they cried, so this is the people of God, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He sent out his word and healed them. He didn't even just do a miracle. 
He didn't just make problems go away. He recognized there's something wrong in the land. There's something not right here. And for me to heal it, I need to send my word into it. Because God's word is different. It's supernatural. It's powerful. It does what no other words in the universe can do. It brings healing. It brings life. It can heal you right now. As you're sitting here in the auditorium, there's things in our souls, there's things in our emotions, there's things in our bodies that God's word can just, boom, just respond in you like nothing else and can cause healing. Things you couldn't get over for years, just boom, the word of God can just do that. And when God looks at a city that is burning, when he looks at a, a world that is burning, he says, what does it need? It needs me to send forth my word and heal it. God's word exalted. Hey, listen, now is not the time to be quiet with God's word. Now is the most important time to be courteous, to be respectful, but to be very clear with God's word. We need to make sure that we're listening to God's word above every other word. There's lots of advice out there, and there's lots of good precautions. There's lots of good things that people are saying, and we want to listen to all that. We want to be open. We don't want to be closed, kind of stodgy people, but we just want to remember the word of God is what I need to hear most because the word of God clarifies what everything else means. The, the Word of God helps me decipher between what I really need to pay attention to and what is less important and what's going to matter hundreds of years from now. Let me tell you what. Here's what I believe. Every, everybody's first day in heaven, here's what they're wishing. I wish I would have paid more attention to God's Word. I wish I would have paid more attention to God's Word. I had it. My whole life I had it. Probably had multiple ones of it. I wish I would have paid more attention to God's Word. In God's word, we're going to learn that our number one priority, the thing we need to do, the number one responsibility that we have, if you're a Christ follower, is to pray. Now, that's not the only thing we're supposed to do. It's just the first thing we're supposed to do. Now, for some of you, you get into this, and I think that's okay. I think it's, it's fine to be into like a little bit into conspiracies and, and get interested in all that kind of thing and explore that kind of thing. But can I tell you, if that's you, then you ought to be the most into the actual conspiracy that is going on. God tells us there is a conspiracy going on. You're familiar with it, probably many of you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Here's the conspiracy. For all our struggle is not against human opponents. What? It feels like it. Everywhere I look, there's humans that I feel like they're opposing one another. I don't know which side to pick. And God says, no, 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 there's a conspiracy. It's not against human opponents, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers in the darkness around us, and evil spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. When things begin to spiral out of control, when things begin to descend into chaos, I'm not trying to scare you or anything, but, but maybe now we're a little bit more open to this kind of thing. When, thin, when the city begins to burn, my friends, that is more than human. That is a demon party. That is where, that's what's tr behind a lot of that, okay? That is the enemy getting humans to throw a tantrum. Certainly, it's, it's appropriate for us to participate in all kinds of things politically and socially, but when riots happening, that's when people just throw off all care and they say, we're just going to do whatever emotion comes into our body. I don't know if you watched any of the kind of the live footage, some of the more candid stuff that was on people's phones, uh, you know, about that was happening recently just in Kenosha. This is not a race thing because it, I tell you what, people are more unified in a riot than I feel like any other place. There's every color there and they're all losing their minds. And why are they doing it? Because... The enemy has a plan, 
And it's not just riots. It's all the ways of opposition, all the bickering, all the self-defense, all the self-justification, all the pride, all the anger. It's not that humans aren't involved, but God just says, check out the conspiracy. There's more than just humans behind this. And if you're going to be effective, that's where you've got to aim. If you don't aim there, you're only going to be hitting these symptoms, not the core of what is wrong. And so God... God knew that we would not necessarily put this first. He knew probably we'd walk around like most people that claim to be Christ followers and be like, I think, yeah, we're probably supposed to pray at some point. That sounds like a good idea. And yet God wrote down in the scripture, I need to be very clear that this is supposed to be first. So number one, the command to pray. Paul says to Timothy, his pastor protege, who's pastoring this group of Christians in Ephesus, he says, Timothy, you've got to get this across to them because they're not going to think this is supposed to be first, but it really is supposed to be first. First of all, somebody say first of all. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Now, all those different kinds of prayers, there's a little bit of nuance to those but basically, he's saying, in all kinds of ways, I want you to pray for people, I want you to pray for yourself, and I want you to pray for urgent pressing needs. I want you to bring those things first before you do anything else, maybe even before you know what's going on. Your first responsibility, your first work is to pray. And that means everybody. He said, for kings and all who are in high positions, for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that means police officers, but it means people who are rioting. It means people who are the first responders. It means people who are crooks. It means people who are aggressors. It means people who are there to protect people. It means everybody. What do we do when the, the city is burning? First, before we do anything else, we pray. And he said, for people, for kings and all who are in high positions. That means we pray for city officials. We pray for everybody who has more power than us to actually affect real change. See, here's, sometimes we believe the deception that someone has to be kind of like on the Christian team for God to use them. That's not even a little bit true. It's not true in the Bible. That's not how he used Cyrus. All we need to do is, first of all, pray. Pray that God would, see, God can turn the heart of anybody. God can turn the heart of a mayor, of a governor, of a president. God can do whatever he wants to do. But he, usually he's waiting on us to pray. So we pray that God, God, would you cause them to arrive at wise conclusions? cause them to do the kinds of things that would tee up the kingdom of God in a helpful and beneficial way? Would you cause them to do the kind of things that, here we go, continuing in verse 2, that may lead to a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way? God wants, what does he want? He wants peace. He wants a quiet, a tranquil life. But that's not all that he wants. He doesn't just want peace. When the city is burning, God wants godliness and he wants dignity he wants godliness and dignity that means that people would do the right things that they'd act right and that they would respect and honor one another now here's part of the problem with our generation my friends the compass of what is actually right went overboard a couple decades ago okay so our generation doesn't even know right from wrong so it's, it's hard to, to reinforce godliness when people don't even know what godly is. 
They don't remember. Because why? Because we live in the time of the judges, when everybody does what is right in their own eyes. They threw the word of God overboard, so now everybody just gets to pick. And then they argue with each other, and they blame each other when you didn't do their morality versus somebody else's. There used to be one standard, and that's the standard we need to, as the prophet of God, because that's what the church really is, okay? One of the motifs of what the church is, it is the prophet to the world. Now, Jesus was the ultimate prophet. And you'll notice that Jesus didn't go around condemning everybody, did he? But he didn't fail to speak the truth in love. He did it to lead people to himself, to say, hey, man, you, you really, the entire Sermon on the Mount, the point is to say, you have no hope. You're not even close. You need me to save you. And yet when the woman who was caught in the adulterous affair, when she came, when she was put before Jesus, here's what we would do at that point. We'd be like, oh, come on, Jesus. I mean, isn't it kind of understandable? I mean, look at her husband. He's kind of a jerk, and, and she's got all these, you know, these Pharisees around her kind of hovering and trying to talk her into sin. I mean, surely this is understandable. And that's what we say in so many cases today. That, that's, that's the line that people have. Well, you know, surely it's understandable, though. There's some reason why this sin is understandable. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus looked her, in the, looked her in the face and he loved her. He didn't condemn her. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He acknowledged that really was evil. Like, there's nothing that they did to you that makes that less evil. Go and sin no more. And the church is the salt of the earth. And that doesn't mean we just make things taste good. In Jesus' time, the salt of the earth was a preservative. And throughout the ages, the church has held back immorality from spilling out of control. And that's what we need to do now. And what that means is lovingly, gently, but clearly, we sound, this is right and this is wrong. And we're not backing down on that. What do we do? We hold the line. And we're the light of the world. We say, hey man, yes. It is wrong to murder people. It's also wrong to burn things down or to steal or to loot. And there's, there's nothing that's ever understandable about that. There's no sin whose context makes it okay. And you know this on a personal level, but then we see stuff in the media and, and there tries to come this line that like, well, that's okay because everyone's just kind of mad or frustrated or they're sick of COVID or, or there's been injustice against them. Even so, Guys, if, if you were beaten as a kid, repeatedly, and you hit your spouse once, it doesn't matter. That was still wrong, right? If you're like an awesome, awesome spouse, and your spouse is, man, they're like next to worthless, but you go ahead and have an affair, that was still wrong. It doesn't matter if a lot of people are doing it. It's still wrong. It doesn't matter if something is wrong and a thousand people and a million people are saying that it's right. It's still wrong. And the church has to be able to say that right now. And that doesn't mean we're always even right. I mean, we better be careful. We better make sure the Bible actually teaches that kind of thing. But now is the time because even speaking what is right and wrong, that can break people's heart of conviction and cause them to turn where? To a savior. It's not because we're mad at everybody. It's because we want to lead them home. Here's another thing that we get wrong. Okay, you're right. I'm just going to rant for a little while, but I'm, I'm, hopefully I'm Bible ranting, so hopefully it's okay. Um, every, every generation, I feel like, gets, gets some things right and some other things wrong. One of the things that this generation is getting a little bit wrong 
is over-empathy. Over-empathy. Everything is, man, you know, I just can't understand that. And, I can, and, and if you don't understand that, if you don't immediately say, well, I understand that, well, then you're, you're just bad. You're, you're evil. But empathy is not the only thing that we're supposed to have. And what it leads to sometimes is unsanctified mercy. That's a, that's a bigger word. Let's say that together. Unsanctified mercy. That's where human fallenness is attempting to have mercy where God is not having mercy. God is just saying, no, that's just not right. It's kind of like when, someone, when, when a parent is just so easy on a child that they never correct them, and they think they're being merciful, but they're actually setting that child up to live a selfish life. They're actually being cruel. They're actually being a coward because they don't want to say what is right or wrong. And we need to be careful, maybe have all the empathy all day, but recognize empathy alone is not all God has called us to do or say or be. What he wants us to do is, yes, have God's mercy towards people, but also tell the truth. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, There's, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. We should not be judging anybody right now. Here's, here's the deal. You don't know anybody's motives. Really? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter who you see on TV. It doesn't matter what you think of so-and-so. You, God says you don't know their motives and you can't. So let's just not categorize anybody and say, I'm going to wait for God to lean in. I'm going to wait for God to say what he's going to say later on. In the meantime, my job is to pray. Verse 3, this is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Father. This is good. There's so much it's like, I don't know if that's good. I'd like to see something good. I wonder what's good. Some of us were like, I don't know what I can do to help racial tensions in my country right now. Well, you know, probably different ones of us have different opportunities, right? And, and different ones are closer to certain things and you can take part. But here's something that's always good and it's tangibly good. It's concretely good. It's not just I'm feeling a feeling. It's concretely good to pray first. Say, so God, I'm going I'm to do something right now. I'm going to pray I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my number one responsibility as a follower. And here's what's great about, about God. God is super convenient. Have you noticed this? Like, it is not hard to get an audience with God. It's super easy, barely an inconvenience. God is like the Walgreens that's always open. You ever like been sick in the middle of the night and you go to a Walgreens that ain't even open? I'm like, these are supposed to be the guys that are open. But they're not. It's, suddenly, it's in, they're supposed to be convenient, but they're inconvenient. That's not like God. See, what's so beautiful about God is you can see a situation on the Twitter feed and you don't even know what's right. Because we've seen so many multiple scenarios where, well, some of that was right and some of it was wrong. You don't even have to be right because God knows what's right. You and I can just start to pray. Lord, I don't know. I don't know. But I know some Bible things that I could be praying right now. And I'm sure that would help get God's power where it's supposed to go. So what do we, what, what do we pray? Number two, we had the command to pray, now the content to pray. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's one God, there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. This word mediator right there, that's an important word. It means somebody who reconciles two parties, who brings two parties together. Now, man, there's a lot of reconciling we should be praying for between people. 
But even more importantly, there's reconciliation that is supposed to come between God and people. That's what Jesus Christ is. He's the mediator. He's the go-between. He's the one who says, well, let me just pull you guys together on the basis of my sacrifice. And that mediation is what God longs for more than anything. From the highest outlook, now, now I just want to warn you, if you're not ready to just like believe God about stuff, this is going to offend you, okay? But the gospel's offensive, so that's okay. From the highest vantage point, from the highest lookout, if we're going to see things from God's perspective, everybody is the bad guy. Everybody is the bad guy. Everybody you, you think is the bad guy is the bad guy, and everybody you think is the good guy is the bad guy. Because God is the only good guy. Jesus said it. He said, only God is good. Romans 3.10. Let's just hear the judgment. There's freedom if you listen. There's freedom in it. Verse 10. As it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Man, I'm getting hopeless about the state of our world. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Just kidding. I'm not really hopeless. They have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. God says, let's just own all together right now that if you're looking for humans to save the day, they can't because they're part of the problem. And it's not that humans can't do things and have ingenuity and bring good results about, but first and foremost, you need God, and God needs to be reconciled with these people. And think about it from God's perspective. His highest, his highest desire is for people to be forgiven, and given a new heart so that they can be crammed full of Jesus and then they can go out and do all the things they're doing, but they're doing it in the Lord and with the Lord's help. Because at the end of the day, I mean, let's just think about this. If, if we solved all the problems, let, let's wake up tomorrow morning and there's just no, no more problems. We just solved them all. But all the people are still destined to an eternity apart from God? Did you really solve anything? That sounds really temporary, man. Because at best, they have like 100 years left. But what then? Then they have worse problems than anything they've seen around here. So God says, when you get to praying, first of all, first of all, when you go to pray, not only do you want quietness and dignity and peace, you want people to be reconciled to Jesus Christ. You want people to get saved. You want people to get born again. Pray for that, is what God says. That will start to solve all kinds of problems. And that means you pray for the reporters Lord, yeah, do a bunch of stuff. Save them. Use this hardship to open their heart. God, call the elect to yourself and then elect some more. That'll mess with your theology a little bit. With, with regard to the looters, I'm praying for them. Praying God would save them right now. I'm praying God you'd release, send a whole bunch of people with heralds of the gospel into that situation right now. Cause people to just break out in prayer. And we've seen this at, at different places around the country. Or we pray for the salvation of that business owner who just lost all of her business for the past 30 years. Somebody burned it down. Wow, she needs prayer right now. And if she doesn't know Jesus, she needs to know him now. And when you pray for the politician that you like and you pray for the politician that you don't like because Jesus likes them both. <laughs> and he wants to draw both of them deeper into a walk with him. And you pray for the guy or the gal that pulls the trigger. You pray for him. And what do you pray? You pray, God, show them the grace of Jesus through the cross. Lord, there's still hope. 
There's still hope. If, if God's people go to go to work like God's people are supposed to, there's still hope. I don't even have to know what's going on. This has been really helpful to me, even just in the preparation of this message. It just stirred me up to spend more time just in prayer for the cities of our nation. You know, it started with Kenosha. And I start to pray stuff like, Lord, I pray you'd strengthen those officials. And I pray that you begin to bring back people that were, were hurt and, and hardened and soften them right now, God. Lord, and cause people to come together and solve one another's problems. And God, fill people with a longing for another world where this kind of thing doesn't happen. And God, I pray new laws would be passed. I pray new justice would come forward. I pray people would forgive and keep moving forward. And, and as I'm praying these things, I'm, I'm like, it's awakening in my understanding, oh, there's a lot more cities than just Kenosha. And that bleeds over into praying for the rest of the nation. And I have to just confess to you, I have not prayed for the cities of our nation near enough since COVID started. But I'm really enjoying this little, little snippet. God, I'm going to pray five minutes for the cities of our nation. Can I challenge you to maybe do that? If you're looking for a practical thing to do, every day, say, five minutes, it's about the country. And maybe that'll turn into ten. Who knows? But don't feel bad if it doesn't. Just pray five. But let's, first of all, pray. And we pray, oh God, show people that there's a conspiracy here. This is not just humans. So what do we have? We have the command to pray. We have the content to pray. And then the character to pray with. How many think this is helpful right now? You guys aren't, you guys aren't like kind of babies and can't handle like real preaching, can you? You don't want me to just go get a sippy cup and give you something real simple and... Okay, okay. I'm glad this is the right crowd. All right. The character to pray with. Number three, the character to pray with. For this, I was appointed a preacher and apostle. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I just love Paul right here. He's just pausing the conversation. He says, I'm a teacher from God and I'm telling you what to do. All right. In case anyone's confused, I'm just, I'm from the Lord and I'm telling you the prescription. Verse eight, I desire then that in every place the men should pray lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. <clears throat> Let's pull it apart. The men should pray. Now, I don't think it's limited to men, but I think sometimes the Bible mentions men going first because men often shirk their responsibility. Whether it's as a father or as a husband, they opt themselves out of spiritual responsibility. Right? That's what happened with Adam at the very first. He saw Eve eating this wicked fruit and he didn't do anything. He didn't tell her to stop. He didn't take the death for her. He just sat there. And sometimes men just sit there. And, and Paul says, hey, make sure the men, if you got some men around, maybe you don't have any men around, but if you have some, men, you better lean into this thing, man. You better model this for your family now. You better do this. If you've got a, a work team that you can do this with, do it. And you should do it. And here, here's where guys, you know, guys like to feel confident. Guys like to feel like they know what they're doing. And so, you know, they don't, often don't know what they're doing, especially when it comes to spiritual matters. And so, guys, sometimes we'll, we'll just feel awkward. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to bring this up with my family. And, and you know, I look at my own life, and I'm just not very, like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not good with God right now, so I don't know if I should be the one to do it. Yeah, get past all that. And first of all, let's have all the men. Why well, just lead, dude? Just get after it. And women, you too. So many of you gals, I mean, you're ready. If, and, and, and precious, I, some, of, some wives, like, you want to honor your man, you're waiting for him. Hey, man, wait a little and then go. You know what I'm saying? If he doesn't go, just go, right? Because, man, we got to get this thing moving, okay? And maybe he'll grow into it by next year. I don't know. 
But let's keep moving this thing along. Men, hey, do what you got to do and lift up holy hands. This is really important, lifting up holy hands. You know, when I was younger, I got in my share of fights as a kid and as a teenager. And, you know, win, lo- win some, lost some. But I was kind of I was ready for a fight, you know what I'm saying? And when you, know, when you get in a fight, you got your hands up like this. And sometimes I still get tempted. Okay, I'm all right, I, I ain't there yet. Right, someone will say something dumb. And, and back in the day, dude, when there was no online stuff, if you were going to say something dumb or you're going to call somebody an idiot, you better be a little bit ready to fight because you're right there. You know what I'm saying? And you might just get cold cocked and in a headlock before you know it. Nowadays, anybody you know, from across the world can just say whatever they want and there's nothing to hold them back. And that's what I'm not wishing people got in more fights. I'm wishing people would reserve themselves a little bit more. But anyway, people say stuff now. I'm like, oh, but, God, you're about to get pe- preacher punch right now. And God reminds me through this, this passage, turn that into prayer. Let that anger trigger you, Carter, to say, these hands are for prayer and peace, not for aggression. That is not the way. Come on, Mandalorians, that is not the way. Instead, we lift up holy hands. We say, God, I'm asking you to move in this situation on my behalf. Let's talk about anger for a second. Anger can be really helpful. Like anger triggers us into a lot of positive good stuff. You can get sick of injustice and start to take dramatic steps toward justice, right? But anger that is out of control, anger that is just, you just blows up in flame, is destructive, hurts people. And sometimes we just give vent to it because like, ah, I just can't help myself because I'm angry. God understands being angry. Jesus was angry at times. Jesus even went into the temple and made a whip, man. That's, that's pretty angry. But Jesus was always under the control of the Holy Spirit. We need to remember James 1.20, where God warns us. He says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So as we look at change in the world right now, as we look at things that God wants to bring about, just as the prophet to the world, if you're a Christ follower and a cross bearer, you need to know God is saying, I understand when you're angry, but let's just be clear. I ain't using it to bring in my kingdom. I'm using patience and peace. And I might stir you up and get you angry enough to go do something productive. But when you just fly off the handle, that's the opposite of what I'm trying to say. So the character to pray with, my friends, it's patient and peaceful. It's not wrought up and angry, flaring out at people. And here's what I know. Most of you know this, unless you just have no online life at all. You find things that is easy to quarrel with, right? He says, without quarreling. And yet, you can't get very far in your feed without somebody saying something. We're like, oh, and it raises up all kinds of emotions in, in you. And you're like, I don't know if I should say something or if I should just walk away. And, and then you try to say something. It turns into this nasty. And I'm, I think Christian ones are almost the worst sometimes because when you see Christians chomping at each other, tearing each other down, it's like, I think this is the opposite of the kingdom. Why is this, why is this going on? But I want to give you two options. Okay, so when, when you're tempted to jump in there and give them a piece of your mind, here's option number one. Keep scrolling and pray, right? I'm just going to scroll right on by, but I'm going to pause, and I'm going to pray for that situation. I'm going to pray all these Bible things we just said. Now, option two is, it takes a little more boldness. You stop and comment with prayer. 
How many know that's a good way to mess up a fight? Someone's really getting nasty, and you just come in with, oh, Jesus, I thank you so much for both of these people. We just pray your power and goodness and forgiveness in this situation. They'll be like, Wah. you know, they'll feel a little bit like, that's weird. But how many know, once you turn on the spirit like that, it, it just changes. People, it's harder to fight when someone just prayed that you would represent the fruit of the spirit. Like, that's just, that's how it goes. So you can either keep scrolling and pray, or you can comment with prayer. Either way, you're helping to foster and bring the kingdom rather than stop it. And we gotta, we, not, we gotta not have this prayer is a last resort kind of a mentality anymore. We gotta get over that thing. Some of us, we treat prayer like it's the spare tire in the trunk. Like, I don't know about you, in my mind, the, the spare tire is like, man, if everything goes wrong, praise God, there's a spare tire. I know that thing's at least back there. It's gonna not be fun to put it on, but it's there, my, my last minute parachute. And we think of prayer like that. Well, if everything else falls away. I'll get out the spare tire of prayer. And God wants us to lay that down today, my friends. Let's look at this world the way the paramedic did at the body she rolled up on. She arrived, and the man was on the ground, and you could tell he was beat up, looked like some broken bones, but also he wasn't breathing. Now, suddenly, there's a priority of what you're supposed to do, right? No doubt, the broken bones are bad. And she needs to eventually take care of that with her team. But the not breathing is the worst thing because if they don't get the man breathing, he's not going to be around to get those bones healed. And so the priority is CPR. We need to think about the world like that right now. When you see the cities burning, that's the broken bones. But we need to deal with more than the bones right now. First of all, pray. Yes, do all the other things. Love and lay down your life and say the right things and love people and lean in and do everything that's in your sphere of influence to do anything about it all. But first of all, let's pray. And here's why. Because the church right now, I believe in this moment, is like the prophet Jonah. Many of you remember Jonah. He ran away from his assignment. He's hiding down in the boat. And the Bible says something very interesting. It says, the people that were upstairs, the pagans, the ones who did not know God, they went downstairs, found Jonah, and they were shaking, and they said, wake up and call on your God. Prophet, wake up and call on your God, because everything's falling apart out here. And I just wonder if, if we should notice the world right now, the pagans, even those who don't know God at all and don't like him, they're already, they're getting nervous and things are shaking loose and we got to feel them shaking us and say, prophet, wake up. Prophet, do all the other things, but call on your God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you for the power that it is. And Lord, we, we, we know a little about it, but we need you to teach us more about it. Papa, we know that we don't really learn how to pray but by praying. And so I pray that for whatever step we need to personally take, and that's going to be different for different ones, but I pray that you'd help us to just take our next step into praying. And so we pray again for our country right now. Lord, we pray that you'd bring peace. We pray that you'd bring respect. 
Lord, we pray for floods of salvation. We pray for Christians to be uncommonly winsome, to be able to speak what is true, sometimes quietly, sometimes a little louder, in a way that is friendly and attractive, but also in a way that turns back the tide. Lord, we pray against the forces of darkness in the spiritual realm that are attacking us right now. God, we pray you'd do battle. We pray you'd send angels. We pray that you'd remove those behind-the-scenes things that we can't see. Lord, we pray for conviction to fall. We pray that this would be an awesome day. We pray that around the country, people would be waking up, and they'd be calling on their God, and they'd be coming to Jesus Christ for the first time. Lord, we believe there is still hope for you to do amazing and incredible things. I also just want to repent, Lord. For the ways we've done everything but pray. Every time, you know, we've, we've just gotten wrought up, just gotten angry, just allowed our peace to be stolen. God, we want to ask for your forgiveness. And we pray you'd help us to channel that more productively. Into prayer alone and with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.